All right, we're back. We are back. I know we missed last week, but I was out of town. Where were you? I was in New Jersey. Ooh, Jersey Shore. <laughs> no, hardly. <laughs> it was actually on I the wish border. You were at the Jersey Shore. I do not wish that on anyone. Oh, no I offense if you're from the Jersey Shore. <laughs> um, again, the East Coast. I don't know what is what the deal is with the East Coast, but man. However, this time I was in New Jersey, but on the border of Pennsylvania. Yeah. So it was like Lambertville, New Jersey, and New Hope, Pennsylvania, okay. which is a very big touristy area. Mm-hmm. I was there for a two-day kind of crash course speaker training, mm-hmm. but I stayed, you know this, I stayed like in a secluded farmhouse, Ooh. and it felt like I was in Tennessee. Yeah, you sent me that video and it was quite lush. Green. It was very and lush. lush. Yeah. I feel like that part of the East Coast is so beautiful. It's like it's just there's so much stunning landscape, especially in the fall when the colors change. Yeah, that's stunning back east. You wanna go to there? Yeah, we can. Mm. What's the t- uh what's the best thing you learned while you were at your speaker intensive? Well, it was humbling in a way where I realized because you know that Although I have been speaking full-time for the last few years, I really haven't made it up in my mind or in my heart, or I really haven't ever considered, like, I can actually build a damn good business out of this. Mm -hmm. And I have just recently been like, there has been a dream in my heart that's kind of been percolating for a while and has come to fruition, where it's like, I want to build a speaking business. Yeah. And I think this was my first time of really recognizing that it takes so much. Yeah. And not in a like like daunting way or like a um not in a way like discouraging way, but it's just like it's humbling to realize how much it takes to become an actually a good speaker. Yeah, and how much effort people actually I have put not in. ever considered working on my voice, my Mm -hmm. stage presence, how to use a stage intentionally to make the speech come alive. Mm -hmm. Never has that ever crossed my mind. So now I'm just excited to take it to the next level. Yeah, it really is uh, such a growing thing. And it's almost like you're you're now like starting to embody the identity of a speaker. That is what I am. This is what I do. I am. It actually feels really good. Yeah. Since the NFL, I have not had vision. Mm. My only vision has been healing. Mm. My only vision has been like, personal growth and learning how to really I think for the last 11 years 12 years how long it's been I have felt lost yeah and up until this last season of moving to Nashville I don't feel lost like something energetically spiritually physiologically shifted something there was a tangible shift in my life I don't feel lost this is what I want to build and it's leading somewhere but right now it's like oh my gosh all of my it's the one thing like yeah. i'm building a speaking business yeah i feel like you and i both once we left la and kind of uh almost like created ex- like expanse in our life and i mean that by like actual space we both got a lot of clarity on what we want like what we want it was a massive it was a spiritual move for us mm-hmm. and that's funny because it's like every move since the nfl has been a spiritual move mm. and i have a feeling that is just going to continue that way. Mine have just been adventurous moves. I've been like, I want to be in LA. I want to no. be in London. I Mine was be- <laughs> like, my heart is telling me the to go to LA. Calling. The spirits are calling me. We were at an event that you were speaking at a couple of weeks ago in Long Island. And this, this guy, the guy that was hosting, he came up to me and he was like, man, I love your husband. I was like, me too. And he was like, that guy really follows his heart, doesn't he? <laughs> I was like, yes, he does. And I was like, it's super fun to be married to. Because in one moment you're like, we're staying here. And then the next moment you're like, my heart is telling me to go here. <laughs> I was like, you got to be an adaptable. But it's just not me too. It's Totally. It's us. We're making this decision together. Yeah. But I think actually what you just said about that speaking event will be a good segue into the topic of today. Mm. Because something happened when I got done speaking and I'll get to that. Yeah. But this speaking event uh, in Long Island that I had a couple of weeks ago was interesting because it was a Catholic event mm-hmm. and they essentially wanted me to tell my God story. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is something so far removed in terms of how they wanted me to communicate it. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily speak like that anymore. And I was I was um, slightly concerned mm. That standing on a stage, because I couldn't stand on that stage and speak to them in the language that I would use today. Yeah. Yeah. 
right? It's just, <laughs> I, it wouldn't have been doing, the, it wouldn't have been meeting them where they are and what they asked Absolutely. from me. Yep. And so there was a responsibility on my part. And I was concerned that being on that stage, telling my God story in a way that they wanted me to tell my God story, very much language that I feel like I have grown out of, mm-hmm. um, still, God still is still important and everything, right? But language that I've grown out of, I thought that it would be self-betrayal. Mm. But I can say that as I was speaking on that stage, and I remember having a moment of like being fully present there as I was speaking, and it was like, this is not self-betrayal. This was a part of my journey. Yeah. And I honor this part of my journey. Yeah. And as I have continued to say yes to my to the God voice inside of me, like my journey has just evolved Mm -hmm. it's it's moved on from this place but this was 100 percent a part of my journey and so if that's where the people who are listening are it's great to meet them there with that yeah it really is the epitome of knowing your audience but also recognizing that every part of your story belongs yes and that every uh when you speak even from a place that maybe you no longer exist in there's still integrity in that because that was so real at that time and so i think um i think for you it it absolutely wasn't an act of self-betrayal because it it is such a massive part of your becoming what you said is huge every part of your story belongs Mm -hmm. and it can't be self it it once belonged it was Mm -hmm. once good and i think it would have been so easy for me at times as i moved on from that season of that language of how i identified with god we can talk more about that yeah but it would have been so easy for me to demonize Mm -hmm. that part of my life like this is stupid this doesn't work and like completely dismiss it and move on from it and almost build like this case against it yeah i mean that's i think that's so uh like it's human tendency right when we evolve when we when we expand and when we evolve it's like we we shed the clothing that doesn't fit us anymore but that doesn't make that clothing any less real Right. For what it was at the time. In fact, like it actually still really matters. And I think um, I think there's such permission in that because I feel like as I've been growing and evolving and changing and changing my mind and my opinions on so many things, there is this tendency to be like almost reactive towards what I came from. Mm-hmm. But what I came from shaped where I am now. Mm-hmm. So instead of being reactive towards it, there is this beauty in being able to to recognize like this all fits. This is all a part of where I am currently. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, because our healing journey, I know for me and I know for you, cause we've talked about this mm-hmm. has kind of moved us out of a dualistic life mm-hmm. or a dualistic approach to viewing life through yeah. this duality of like right, wrong. It's, mm-hmm. it all belongs. It all belongs. Yeah. Right. But it was interesting because as I got done speaking, a, a young girl had come up to me and she had tears in her eyes and she was so just overly excited. She was like, oh my gosh, like you just changed my life. Mm. And she was, she said something specific at the end where I was like, oh, cause I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy to hear that you resonated with my message mm-hmm. that it, it like, what was the, what was your favorite part? And she had said like, God was just using you. Mm. You're so lucky. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And then in my head, I'm like, Oh, Mm -hmm. and I said to her, well, God can use you too. And she looked at me perplexed. She looked at me like, what are you talking about? I was like, Mm -hmm. God can use you just like that. And she said, how? And I was like, you just have to learn how to trust yourself. Yeah. And I, that's when I realized that there has, what has been the biggest shit for me. And I think this is going to be another podcast conversation, but what has been the biggest shit for me is this illusion of separation between me and God. Yeah. And that as I have grown in my own journey has dissolved yeah. and there's been this, this oneness, mm-hmm. this union. That's mm-hmm. what Richard Ward always talks about. It's like this divine union, yeah. right? This oneness. And as she said that, I was like, Oh, mm. like that's how you see God. That's how you see yours. That's how you see the world right now. Yeah. There's still this idea that God is outside of you. God that, is out, that, but there is but, a separation between the two mm-hmm, and there's something to attain or there's something to achieve towards God. Yeah, I feel similarly like where my my experience of uh, of coming back into my body and trusting myself has been one of going inward, and that's where I've met God. Yeah, that's where I'm meeting God is in the inward space as I as I go on a more internal journey, and and recognizing that He's He's out here and in here and everywhere and <sighs> all. I was talking to a girlfriend the other day actually, and we were kind of uh, joking though it's not joke worthy for a lot of people, but this idea of falling away how so many um, 
And I, I was, this was my story, but I was so concerned about falling away from God. Like I don't mm. want to fall away from God. And as I was talking to this girlfriend and we were processing it, I just, you know, I, I think I've come to this place where I recognize that God lives inside of me. So there is no, po- where can I go that you are not? Mm. There's no possible way to fall away. Mm-hmm. There's no possible way to, to get outside of, uh, of God. Right. It's, it's, it's the illusion of separation. (laughs) It's the illusion that we think like, oh, I might fall away if I don't exactly believe these linear beliefs. And I think that's where we've become quite non-dualistic is recognizing that all of these things, all of these beliefs, they have their place. They have their, their, their place. That really just highlights in a very, uh, I guess, popular view around christianity and it's a performance driven christianity Mm -hmm. it's like i Mm -hmm. have the like in my ability to not fall away and it's in my ability to stay close yeah yeah yeah. right so that becomes all about your performance and that inevitably leads to (laughs) a dead end yeah but uh on today's conversation that comment that when that young woman said that and i said you can do it too you just learn how to trust yourself And learning how to trust yourself looks like also learning how to trust God in you, mm-hmm. right? And so what I want to talk about today and what we, <laughs> what I want to talk about today, <laughs> Great. Um, but this idea of self-trust, yeah, it is so remarkably big. Yeah, it's massive. It's actually it, huge. It is. And it is a journey, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You just don't wake up one day and start to trust yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And so maybe on today's podcast, we can kind of talk about why self-trust is so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the repercussions mm-hmm. when we don't operate from self-trust? Mm-hmm. Um, when did we learn, and this is the big question, mm-hmm. when did we learn not to trust ourselves? Yeah. Right? And then lastly, let's maybe touch on, depending on what the time is, how God mm-hmm. plays a role in self-trust. Self-trust, yeah. That's really good. No, I love this topic. I mean, my podcast that's starting next week is called You Can Trust Yourself. It's so good. <laughs> I love that. You can that. trust yourself. Well, your whole brand, all the work that you do. It's my mission really is to empower people into radical self-trust because when we live outside of it, we live disconnected, right? Like we, we live outside of our lives if we're living outside of self-trust. So why don't we start by define, like what is self-trust? Before we, Yeah. And I also just want to make sure that you tell your story at onsite around self-trust. Absolutely. Well, l- let me let me give my quick definition of what I uh, what I imagine self-trust to be, and then I can tell that story yeah. and how a huge part of my own journey has been learning, relearning, remembering my 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 intuition. Right, remembering. There's this beautiful uh, uh, story that that this Jewish rabbi told me once. And he said that when babies are born in Jewish tradition, this is what they believe. When babies are born, they're born with all of the wisdom of God inside of them. Mm. But somehow life, when, when they come out of the birth canal, life uh, convinces them that they know nothing, that mm. they don't have the wisdom. And so the whole journey of the human experience is coming back and remembering that we have everything we need inside of us. And I love that visual of like, it actually is a returning home. It is returning back to ourselves that is the practice of self-trust yeah. because a lot of times, and I'll get into this in my own story, but we spend so long walking away from self and there's reasons that we do that. And it's kind of cultured into us, but we spend all these years walking away. And many of us have these turning points where we turn around and we start to come back mm. home to ourselves. But for me, when That's I think such beautiful imagery, yeah, it's like you are literally walking away from yourself mm-hmm. and every day you walk away from yourself, you are learning how not, or you're mm-hmm. really com- you're creating a foundation of self-distrust. Yeah. And we'll get into why self-abandonment is synonymous with yeah. la- a lack of self-trust, right? Because if we are self-abandoning, we are walking away. If we are self-trusting, we are walking towards. So I think of self-trust as really the confidence in my own ability to navigate my life, right? Like the confidence. Do you use the word ability? Mm. I'm semantics here. Yeah. But I'm just curious. Yeah, maybe ability. I mean, I think ability works for me, but my confidence in my in my own own intuition to yeah. navigate my life, um, and, and that means that I don't have to lean on the understanding of somebody else. I don't have to lean on a system to tell me how to be. I don't have to lean on anything other than what I know to be deeply true inside of me. And so this is what we talk about when we say we honor our own truth, right? It's really honoring that sense of mm-hmm. what is true for me. So for me, um, I, I spent 32 years of my life walking away from myself. 
and I went to onsite a few years ago and I had already kind of begun this journey back towards home, back towards myself, back home to myself and was kind of in the midst of a big healing journey. And at onsite, if you're unfamiliar with it, it's a trauma recovery program outside of Nashville and it's brilliant. Um, and there's a lot of work that you do there. It's, it's called drama therapy. And so you're acting out parts of your story and you're revisiting childhood memories and all of these things. And it's different than talk therapy because you're getting the body involved and you're also doing it communally. So you yeah. are, you're learning from watching other people. They say that 80% of the, the um, growth is in the watching and then, um, you're acting out. So your body's physically involved with the healing. So one of the, one of the things they have you do is, um, is what they call your work, right? So yeah. I get to, in, in my group of eight, eight, uh, fellow people, I get to come into this space and do my piece of work. And so my therapist, there's a therapist and then your eight other people in the room. And my therapist, he has me come into the room and he says, what do you want to work on today, Kara? And originally, you know, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to work on my relationship with my mom or I'm going to work on my body disorder. And I somehow just, it came out out of me. I said, I want to learn how to trust myself. Mm. And it was intuitively, I I knew that was something that I needed to, to take back. And so he says, okay, uh, how, tell me when you stopped trusting yourself. Tell me when you, tell me your earliest memory of not trusting yourself. And I kind of like dug into the archives of my childhood and I said, well, when I was little, my, my mom would say, don't be sad. Mm. Don't be angry. Don't be frustrated. Don't be angry, lonely. All these, all these emotions that are considered negative. She would say, don't be them because she's a seven and (laughs) overly positive. Like mother, like daughter, like mother, like daughter. But also I think, um, she, she hadn't worked through a lot of her own pain. And so there was this sense of just, just be happy. Jesus has paid the price for all of our, our sins. So just be happy. Right. And so my therapist, he begins to take this marker and write on the dry erase board. And he says, don't be angry. Don't be sad. Don't be mad. Don't be upset. Don't be frustrated. And kind of lists out all these emotions. And then I told him, I said, you know, there, I have vivid memories of my mom saying like, don't trust yourself, trust God. Don't trust yourself, trust God. And as a kid, her intention was so beautiful and good, right? To point me back to a higher power. But the damage of that was that um, it stood in contrast to trusting myself, right? right. Like, don't trust me, trust God. So he put don't trust yourself on the board. And we're looking at the board and he says, okay. And he kind of takes the dry erase, um, dry eraser and he erases every word uh, except for don't be. Yeah. So just on the board, it says, don't be, don't be, don't be, don't be, don't be over and over and over again. And I'm looking at this board and he's like, what do you think? What do you think that was, what was happening for you? It's like, I was told not to be. Yeah. Right? And again, this isn't a blame story towards my parents. This is more just an awareness of what I internalized. And I internalized this messaging of like, don't be, don't be too much. Don't be too anything. And so I kind of lived in this, uh, like, like middle space of never fully showing up for my life. Right. And that meant I wasn't trusting myself. I was constantly leaning on, on other people's opinions and on religion and et cetera. Um, and so he said, okay, we're going to heal this. We're going to, we're going to work on this. And so in drama therapy, a lot of times you'll pick someone to play a little kid version of you. Yeah. So I picked my friend Krista um, and she happened to be there and, uh, she, I put on this name tag, I stick it on her and it says little girl, Kara and my therapist, Jim, he says, okay, I want you guys to sit across from each other, Indian style. And so I sit down on the floor, cross-legged across from Krista. She's wearing the name tag that says little girl, Kara. And Jim puts this huge pile of scarves next to me. These like colorful, uh, you know, schlumpy scarves. And he places them in a pile next to me and he says, okay, we're going to, we're going to act out what happened to you in childhood. Mm. And so he says, I want you to pick up a scarf and I want you to imagine it as a negative emotion. And I want you to tell little girl Kara to not be Mm. whatever the emotion was. So one by one, I start picking up these scarves. And what's really crazy about this work, if, if you've gone down inside or you've done drama therapy, I literally saw little girl me when Mm -hmm. I was looking at Krista. I didn't Mm -hmm. see Krista. She was she was there, but she was not there. I zoned in and I really saw this little kid version of myself. And I began to pick up these scarves and put them on her and say, don't be sad. Don't be angry. Don't be frustrated. Don't be lonely. And uh, one by one, as I'm piling them on, she's disappearing. 
Mm. Right. Like she's covered up and she's disappearing and I'm watching her disappear and I'm watching just like this covering over her and just like a little bit of her face showing and she's beginning to cry and I'm beginning to cry because I'm realizing how cruel this is, how, how mean spirited it is to, to take away the permission of someone to feel and I'm bawling crying and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't want to do this to you. And, uh, recognizing just this little wounded version of myself who really didn't have permission to feel everything she needed to feel. And so we get to the end of the scarves and Krista's completely, little girl Kara is completely covered up and we're both weeping, crying, and we're just messes emotionally. And I looked at Jim and I said, I don't want to, my (laughs) therapist, I said, I don't want to do this anymore. And he said, okay, let's take back the self-trust. And so he says, one by one, I want you to remove these scarves and I want you to give her permission to feel anything Mm. she needs to feel. So I take off the scarf and I say, little girl, Kara, you have permission to feel sad. Mm. And in fact, when you feel sad, I'm going to be here to comfort you. Little girl, Kara, you have permission to be angry. Anger is actually really healthy Mm -hmm. and it's going to show you what you're passionate about. And I take off the scarf of frustration and say, it's totally okay to be frustrated. It shows you what's going on inside of you. And I kind of re-give this little kid version of myself permission to feel anything that I needed to feel. And when I got to the end, I kind of grabbed her shoulders and I looked at her and like looking myself in the eye, this little kid version of myself. And I was like, you can trust yourself. Mm -hmm. You can trust you. And part of you trusting you is giving yourself permission to feel everything, to really feel it all. And so really in that moment, I, I feel like I took back. I, it really felt like an, uh, like a ownership, like I'm taking back my sense of self-trust and I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to rely on the, Mm -hmm. the expertise outside of me. I'm going to rely on the wisdom inside of me to really navigate my life. So it was really profound for me. And now that's all I care about for people. I'm like, how do we empower you to really trust you? Because the, the destruction that happens when we don't is terrible yeah. and isolating and lonely it unlocks your life yeah i always want to cry when i hear that story <laughs> i honestly just had just recently heard it yeah maybe you told me but we were just starting dating mm-hmm. and i was just probably like googly eye all over you and actually wasn't <laughs> listening what, what happened <laughs> but when you told that to our friends chrissy and eddie i was like yeah oh my gosh yeah that is so like don't be don't be don't be don't be don't mm-hmm. be how can we ever expect to trust ourselves mm-hmm. when we are hidden when we're hidden yeah, under we're... mounds of don't be's mm-hmm. mounds of p- just piles and layers of shame and yeah. pain and how many ways have so many of us been told not to be whether it's in explicit language like that or if it's in other ways that we're told we're too much or yeah yeah and that's why i think the journey of the journey into self trust is the journey of healing mm-hmm. right we can't access self trust when we are hiding mm-hmm. when we are playing small mm-hmm. right and i don't want to use playing small in a derogatory way yeah right but it's like when we're hiding or when we are deeply wounded, yeah. there is a fear of showing up fully you, yeah. right? Because you're trying to protect yourself, mm-hmm. which is 100% logical. Yeah. It makes sense, right? But the journey of healing means you can start taking off the metaphorical scarves and mm-hmm. layers and start presenting yourself, your whole self to the world. Yeah. And that, when you were able to do that and present yourself and you're able to withstand mm. Um, whatever comes your way as you work through it, right? And this mm-hmm. is why healing, it produces and creates resilience. Mm-hmm. It creates this resounding knowing yeah. that, you know what? I might not get it right all the time. I might not have the right answer. I'll probably make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I'll probably screw up, but I, I trust myself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like there is a part of me that I think self-trust has worked in two different ways where I can trust myself getting up from the fall because I've proved myself that I can get up from the worst of the falls I've ever had in my life. But then there's births a deeper self-trust, a self-trust that I can tap in and listen to the innate wisdom that's guiding me home, Mm -hmm. which oftentimes looks so illogical. Yeah. I want to touch on that for a second because I think, um, yesterday and in body circles we were talking about where do we feel our intuition what's in body circles uh it's my group program it's the best it's like eight women and it's really a journey of reconnecting intentionally eight women intentionally eight women yeah yeah, to to keep it intimate and to keep it a space where it's very safe 
And so it's an eight week program where essentially we go through what it looks like to trust yourself, to really trust your body, to uh, reawaken the cues of the body, the wisdom of the body and, and to reconnect to the body. Um, and in that so much, so much happens. You, you get so empowered to own your life and yeah. to make decisions from a place of self-trust. But in Embody Circles, we were talking about this idea of where do you feel the intuition? Where do you feel it? And some some girls feel it like deep in the pit of their stomach. Yeah. I always, ref, I like, it's almost like um, I, I'm pointing to a baby. I'm like, this is where I feel my intuition. And I call it the deep knowing, right? But many of us um, are out of touch with the deep knowing because we're out of touch with our bodies. And what's interesting, what I wanted to reference um, after my on-site story is that I came into the room thinking like, I need to work on uh, my body disorder or my relationship with my body, right? But what I learned in that experience is that so often these uh, dysfunctional relationships we have with the body and eating disorder, disordered eating, are a coping mechanism for not being able to feel what we fully need to feel. Mm. So when I am using food to distract myself, generally it's because I'm not allowing myself to fully feel the pain, sure. the anxiety, the frustration, the, the emotion that mm -hmm. needs to be felt. Mm -hmm. And so what I find is that, yes, there's so much incredible work we can do around the eating disorder. But when we actually get people back into a place of trusting themselves and giving them permission to fully feel and, and empowering them to feel everything they need to feel, the, the coping mechanisms, the survival patterns of eating disorders and disordered relationship with body kind of fall away. Because those are just symptomatic yeah. to the deeper issue of really needing to uh, feel, yeah. feel everything. And that's why I, I couldn't agree more. And it just doesn't have to be disordered eating or body totally. issues, right? Like we can talk any about any mechanism. kind of coping mechanism out there. Mm -hmm. But this is why, again, where it's so powerful to recognize that those things are you know, we look at them when we call them self-sabotage, but truly right. they're self-protection. Right. Because when I reach for a, a you know, seven bags of Oreos and I shove my face full of food, my, my, uh, body is protecting itself because yeah. it's so afraid that if I, if I don't do that, it won't feel soothed. So or that's if a, it doesn't do that, you're like afraid of what you're going to feel. What you're going to feel. Yeah. So right. it's much easier to, to use food as the way to feel than totally. to actually sit in the, the muck of yeah. the emotion. Absolutely. And this is why the journey into self-trust looks like emotional honesty. Mm-hmm. If you think about that, the journey into self-trust looks like emotional honesty because until I'm willing to be honest with myself about what's truly going on emotionally and learn how to honor those emotions, right? When I live a life of emotional dishonesty, dishonesty, Dis dishonesty. Uh -huh. I'm living a life of self-betrayal. Yes. Yes. And every day that I live a life of self-betrayal, uh -huh. I am disconnecting myself from myself. Yeah. How in the hell can I show up and live a life of radical self-trust that is necessary mm. that I believe for us to actually fully align to the highest expression of who we were created to be and to live out our unique love story, not just romance love story, but the love story that this world the world's heartbeat is beating to that love story. Mm. We have to learn how to trust ourselves. Yeah. And we can't do it when we live in this emotional, dishonest. Yeah. Yeah. And emotional honesty takes digging because it takes looking at like what's going on and then what's going on beneath that. And then probably there's one layer beneath that. For right? sure. Like there's actually something else going on deeper that we're that you got to go digging to to recognize and that's why self-trust best friend or might not even say self-trust's father or mother <laughs> is self-compassion uh, absolutely yeah right we can't unlock the deep innate self-trust that is available for us without self-compassion even like you said mm -hmm. like when i realize that my coping mechanisms are just actually forms of self-protection that is trying to keep me safe yeah. i don't have to beat myself up anymore well yeah and and the way to the easy way to break that down is that why would we trust something that's mean to us wow. right so <laughs> if you're an asshole to me i probably don't trust you very much i might keep coming back depending on my you know my patterning but if i continually experience you to be rude and unkind to me I'm not going to trust you very much. Mm -hmm. And so if we think about our relationship with ourselves, if we are constantly mean, we are constantly berating, we are constantly self-deprecating, 
how can we exist in relationship with self that is self-trusting? We hate ourselves. Why would we trust ourselves? Mm-hmm. So self-compassion, you're right. It's it's um, it's a precursor or like uh, yeah. in conjunction to self-trust. And to, to piggyback on that, I referenced this a little bit earlier, but uh, I want to I wanna get to the story of meeting you because I feel like that's mm. a huge part of my self-trust journey. But before that was able to happen, I had to, I had to heal my relationship with myself. And that also looked uh, like re- healing my relationship with my body because we're one in the same. We're whole humans. And so I had an experience in England where my body really reacted to the amount of repression of emotion that mm-hmm. I had, had been doing. And I was having panic attacks uh, in a row, multiple. And after a really brutal panic attack, I hung up the phone with a friend because I had begged her to stay on the phone with me. I thought I was dying. Mm. And after I hung up the phone, I heard this audible voice and it said, be kind to yourself. Mm. And I hadn't ever put up a question mark around why I was mean to myself. I just thought it was normal. I thought it was you know, what everybody does. Like, but you also it? probably thought it was the way out. Yes. I thought that by berating myself, beating myself up, that you. would be my way towards healing. Right. Yeah. So I hear this voice, be kind to yourself. And immediately I, I have this thought of like, why when I'm having a panic attack and I'm having a hard time, am I being mean to myself? Mm. If you were having a panic attack and on the floor, I would be so kind to yeah. you. I'd be rubbing your back. I'd be like, it's going to be okay. But when I'm having the panic attack, I'm beating myself up. And so in that moment, I began to practice self-compassion, right? And and in the self-compassion, that really was the turning around point of coming back home to myself, of learning like, oh, I can be kind. I can be nice when I'm hurting, when I'm in pain, because all of our coping mechanisms are always from pain. I can be kind. And so then I began this journey back home to myself. And in that journey, mm-hmm. I, I began to practice self-trust, right? So fast forward, this, is, this was such a, a massive experience for me that, set me up to be able to meet someone like you Mm. because when I met you, there was an instant deep knowing there was an instant deep knowing of there you are. There's my soul person. And I had been wanting to meet my soul person for so many years. But again, I was living so outside of myself and disconnected from myself that even if you had came along three years earlier, I don't think it could have happened. Right. So again, this journey back home to myself, getting grounded in myself, coming back into this place of self-trust, enabled me to to enter into soul relationship with you right and so we we interact i I work with so many women who want to find their soulmates Mm -hmm. the the precursor the journey to that is to heal relationship with you Mm -hmm. to come back home to you because all all the dating work all the the work to find your partner really is internal work Mm -hmm. it's work of uh getting stuff out of the way so that you are attracting the right kind of partnership the partnership that you really desire but that that comes with the journey of self-trust yeah i just think about all the times when you are willing to listen to your heart and to say no Mm. to let go to walk away to make that move to have that hard conversation Mm -hmm. like that moment of honesty and that willingness to say yes it creates so much self-trust on the back end mm-hmm. when you're willing to see it through. Yeah. Because I, I'm just yeah. thinking about my own journey of self-trust because for so many years, right, I trusted my athleticism. I trusted in my ability to hold myself up at whatever cost. I trusted in my ability to be strong at all times. Yeah. And then life hit the fucking fan. Yeah. <laughs> right. Then life as I knew it imploded. Yeah. And then there was this journey of like, I don't trust myself at all. And I don't think I ever really trusted myself to begin with, but I thought I did because I could trust myself and my ability. But the problem with trusting your ability is at some Mm -hmm. point you're going to meet your match Mm -hmm. or you're just staying in a room where you're the smartest and that's not the road to growth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I met my match in the NFL. And then as I am starting to heal, I do not trust myself at all Mm -hmm. because I just made the biggest mistake. I self-destruct, I self-sabotage it. I hate myself. I'm mad at myself. Um, and then there was just like, as you begin to heal, I said, okay, like I can show up and do hard things. Mm. I don't know where the hell this is going, but I can show up and do hard things. Mm -hmm. And that was my mantra for a very long time. Thank you, Glennon Doyle. Thank you, Glennon. Right. And then I started to realize that, oh my gosh, in the healing journey, 
I can trust myself to keep falling forward. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I just can't, I keep thinking that all of this self-trust of like around falling forward led to a deeper self-trust. And that is that my life is guided and my life is being held by something far greater than my ability to hold it all together. Mm. My life is being guided and held by something outside of myself. Mm. And that created something that's beyond self-trust. That created this deep union, this oneness, this really, I think for the first time in my life, faith Mm. that there is this experience that, okay, I'm learning how to let go. And in letting go, I'm now experiencing that my life is being held. Mm -hmm. And so on top of deep radical self-trust, there's even this trust in something outside of myself Mm -hmm. that's fueling my self-trust to say yes. But it's a both and, right? It is a both and. It's a connection. That's what I'm saying. It connect, like I started with the self-trust, which got me to this radical trust, Mm -hmm. right? This radical like faith Mm -hmm. of like there is something I'm my life is genuinely yeah. being held like you know growing up in the evangelical church faith was me <laughs> being able to recite, recite scripture mm-hmm. right and I knew scripture up and down for everything faith was about walking for three hours in my prayer closet and just praying in tongues mm-hmm. faith was all about worshiping as hard as I could worship and waking up at three in the morning and fasting and praying and not to say that those things aren't right or they're not wrong but faith I stepped into this deep measure of faith later on in life when I learned how to let go, when I learned how to heal and let go. And that has been a continuous journey. But I'm just saying all this because in line with what you're saying about meeting me, likewise, like it was in my willingness to trust that my heart is leading me to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. My heart's leading me away from the NFL, but I'm using Los Angeles because that's where I met you. And then my heart led me to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I trusted myself in knowing that I heard the voice inside of me that was calling me for it. I felt it Mm -hmm. and I could trust myself. And what made trusting me a little bit easier is knowing that there is somebody, something outside of myself that's leading me forward. Mm -hmm. And so I got to Los Angeles with no plan, no idea what the hell I'm doing. And I was just like, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm genuinely okay because the history that I have in the bags that I packed tells me that I'm going to be okay. Yeah. So you build a history with yourself. You build a history. I think Does this too, make sense? Yeah, absolutely. When you're talking, I'm imagining the visual of this and I'm imagining a tether, right? Like a tether, um, almost, uh, no one can see this, but like a tether to my, to my intuition, right? can't see this. Uh, yeah. The video can see this, but people listening can't see this. <laughs> but imagine like your, your intuition is tethered, right? And then that tether comes out and it, it, it attaches you to to the greater, to the divine, right? So so there is no separation. Again, yeah. it's the same concept. There's no separation. You are connected to there you are connected to there is a oneness. We can destroy that tether though, right? We can destroy the tether by uh, removing it, by taking it off. But again by being emotionally dishonest. Yeah, totally. <laughs> by so many things. But when we when we recognize that we're tethered in we recognize we're tethered to something we're tethered in and then we're tethered to. So there is this understanding that, that life is happening for me. And one thing you said that I think is so important to touch on with self-trust is that a lot of times the journey of self-trust leads you into really damn uncomfortable situations. Always. Always. And, and, and what happens the the temptation is to be like, oh, this is so hard. Maybe I got it wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll use England as an example. I really followed my heart. I felt very called to to go. That's a good point. Yeah, Yeah, I felt very called to go. I left my life in LA and I I moved to England for six months. And I had dreams of this being like this epic adventure and spontaneity and flirting with all the British boys, which (laughs) I did some flirting. But uh, I had all these visions of what it would look like and what it actually looked like was terrible and painful and lonely and so much of my stuff again I said this but so much of my stuff that had been repressed came to the surface for me to deal with and so it was a very ugly season and lonely and icky and I I doubted my my own sense of self-trust now fast forward I look back at that season and and you helped me reframe this, but really that was one of the most profound spiritual deaths I had ever encountered. I had to die to a version of myself because there were so many things that were 
and needing to die in me. Um, so they, so they could be rebirthed, right? So sometimes our, our self, oftentimes our self-trust leads us into, it will always lead us into expansion, but sometimes that expansion comes with a really uncomfortable death. (laughs) Well, it comes with, uh, there is no expansion without death. Absolutely. Absolutely. We want, we want the cake, but we really don't want to spend the time making it. That's a terrible analogy. (laughs) (laughs) That's a terrible analogy. Wow. (laughs) But we, we want, we want the thing without the work. We want the thing without the death. And the reality is I can't, I couldn't have had my life now. I couldn't have had my relationship with you. If that horrible, painful, icky, lonely season had what I'm happened. hearing is, is like you, you followed your heart, you listened to your truth and you moved to London. I moved to London. Right. Mm-hmm. But it didn't turn out anything like you expected it to. No. But it took you staying with an open heart mm-hmm. to see it through, mm-hmm. to realize that, oh, yeah, that was a spiritual death. That was the precursor to the expansive life that I was looking for. Yeah. Right. So it takes you to see it through. And so w- the big thing that we have to realize now that we did this podcast, I'm like, oh, we could have done this in a very linear way that would have really worked really well. <laughs> but what we've talked about is like the doorway into radical self-trust is self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Right? The 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 next step in all of this mm-hmm. is radical acceptance. Mm-hmm. Like when you listen to your heart mm-hmm. and you say yes to the voice that's leading you forward mm-hmm. and you get to where you're going or life happens and it doesn't turn out the way that you expected it to. Yeah. The way you hold that tension, the way that you hold that pain determines so much. Absolutely. Because for so many, it shuts your heart down. Mm-hmm. You then go into this life of bitterness and resentment. Or and you saying, create a story about You create that. a story mm-hmm. which creates a new belief system, which is more than likely limiting mm-hmm. belief system. Right? And so what you have to learn how to do is we have to learn how to hold pain consciously. Mm-hmm. So that whenever I listen to my voice or to my heart and my truth led me somewhere and life doesn't turn out the way that I expected it to turn out, mm-hmm. it hurts. Yeah. It's unfortunate. It's painful. And in that moment, we have to learn how to do the work of healing, grieving, letting go, and most importantly, radically accepting. Mm-hmm. Because I think in a lot of ways, I call this when I'm speaking or the work I'm doing, a divine ambush. Mm-hmm. It's a divine ambush. Mm -hmm. And what happens is just like you said, that on the other side of the pain, Mm -hmm. you go, that was my heart. Yeah. I didn't get it wrong. Yeah. I actually. And that was for me. That was was for me. Absolutely for me. Right. And now we can just completely reframe that season of like, oh, that wasn't the repercussions of making the wrong choice. Mm -hmm. That was actually exactly where I was supposed to be because it gave me the death that I need Mm -hmm. and that death that I needed produced and birthed the the resurrection life Mm -hmm. that I was looking Mm -hmm. for. Yeah, we use this phrase a lot of like life is always... Can we just... I feel like... (laughs) You want to sit in I that for a second? I want to sit in that for a second. Yes. Preach, preacher. Preach, preacher. It really does. It does. It's so beautiful. And that's where people miss it. Mm-hmm. See it through. Yeah. You listen to your heart. Yeah. Do not move from that. Yeah. Do not double guess it. Do not second guess it. Do not shut down your heart. Do not build a case against it. Do not point, blame, deflect, deny. Yeah. See the pain through, hold the pain consciously yeah. and get to the other side. I mean, I think you, yeah, you can definitely second guess because that's so nature, but to, well, you know what I mean? Yeah. To pull Thanks. out of a line. No, I'm just saying I'm giving permission that it's okay to, to have a, hold up a question. But I think again, the, the, the bigger thing is that we, we use this statement of like, life is always happening for you, right? But, but what, we, what we fail to identify in that is that life happening for you does not mean positive all the time. And I think when I'm, when I'm breaking stuff down with a client totally. and, and they are having trouble believing that, part of the difficulty in believing that is because there's a lot of painful experiences. And we look at the painful experiences and we, we tell a story about what that means. So all these men have broken up with me. No one's ever chosen me. We tell a story about that. We make up a story that I'm going to be alone forever. So life can't be for me because no one has chosen me yet. Right. But what we don't recognize is that oftentimes those, those, if we want to call them rejections, they are always a redirection into something else, Mm -hmm. something else that is for you. And so 
We call them divine ambushes. Divine ambushes. All these divine ambushes are leading somewhere and it takes a much, it, it, it takes the ability to macro out above your life and look at the story arc of what is actually happening and where you're going. Holding pain consciously. Yeah. To be able to, to hold the pain. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. I just think about like a case, an example of this is when I moved to Los Angeles mm. and I got there, I initially felt the expansion of it all. I'm like, Oh, yeah, this the is it. it I have been in a church in Canada, sleeping on a basement floor. <laughs> I have been hidden for so many years. I have done the work now and now free. God is, I, it, God is calling me forward. Mm. And where does he put me or he, where does God, where does God put me is right smack dab in Los Angeles. Like mm-hmm. my platform, my brand, my message, mm-hmm. this is it. So I had all of these ideas of what, it of would look what like. I thought my life is going to look like yeah. in Los Angeles. And I get there, I put in the work and make no mistake. I got to Los Angeles in the first month of Los Angeles. I made more money in Los Angeles that first month than I did when I was playing in the NFL mm. on a paycheck scale. Mm-hmm. Right. And not in total but on a paycheck and it was the first time that holy shit like i i knew i was in the right place Uh but then life started happening yeah and i was being ushered into a greater death a deeper letting go like i thought i was going to los angeles so that the way that i thought and expected my life to unfold could finally unfold Mm. i actually went to los angeles to sacrifice those expectations of what i thought my life should look like Mm -hmm. to let go of what i thought my life should look like super fun (laughs) exciting right however i got to this point where i was like i'm done yeah i'm so done with this like I'm done following my heart. I'm done going on this journey. I'm so angry. I'm so mad. And I gave myself the permission to do that. Mm-hmm. And then long after several years, we decided to move after meeting you and everything. Like we decided to move to Nashville mm-hmm. and all of that now makes perfect sense. Mm. And I could not be where I am, where I honestly can say that I am living the life that I I'm dreaming of mm. that I have been dreaming of mm-hmm. not in full fruition, but I'm in right in the middle of middle of it. Yeah. And that I could not be where I am now yeah. without the one trusting myself, mm. showing myself incredible compassion and learning how to fully radically accept where I am. Yeah. Absolutely. And those three things have now produced and have birthed. Mm hmm what I've been looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. No, it's beautiful. I'm imagining those as a little triad, the radical acceptance, the self-trust and self-compassion. It is the it's the doorway. Yeah, it really the triangular doorway. It's the opening. <laughs> it's honestly the problem and the challenge is, is oftentimes when we're in the thick of it, yeah. we don't know we're in the thick of it. When you were in Canada mm-hmm. having a panic attack after panic attack in the, or uh in England. London, England. Yeah. And that's happening like you're not going, oh, this is a spiritual death, (laughs) right? This is a spiritual death. And I'm giving an invitation to let go and learn how to radically accept my life Mm -hmm. so that I can step into a new life. Yeah. Nobody's doing that. Yeah. I sometimes do, but you, yeah, you sometimes can macro out better than anybody I know, but it is so, it is such a challenge. And that is why, honestly, that is why we have community. That is why we, uh, Get Coaches, into healthy guides, relationships. Whatever it That's is. why we have guides and therapists because they help us macro out and see the bigger story arc of what's actually developing. I kind of want to talk for a second about what it looks like when we are living outside of self trust. Hell. <laughs> what are the like what are the symptoms or the ramifications? Honestly, living of outside that? of self trust is sin. Okay. It's a blanket statement. Go yeah. ahead. Just, just sin. Well, no, you, I'm just saying like when I've, be, I've redefined. That word has a lot. I know, of, I know, I know. That's a lot of. But like, I've redefined what prayer is. I've redefined what worship is. I yeah. redefined what the kingdom of God is. What eternal life is. I've read all defined. Yeah, but all we these don't. Things. We don't know your redefinition. I know. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> However, yes. To 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 continue on your point, what are the consequences of mm-hmm. self trust? I think the emotional chaos that we experience the depression the anxiety the onslaught Mm -hmm. of just stress and overwhelm Mm -hmm. is a direct correlation in a lot of ways of living a life of self-betrayal yeah right 
Well, it's a life out of alignment. That's so what I'm saying. So anything a, is out of alignment in the body, yes. if we just give a visual to it, like anytime something is out of alignment, it causes all kinds of stuff in the rest of the body. 100%. I, before I met you, I was dating somebody. I would lay down next to this person and my body would 100% revolt. Mm. Not that this person was a bad person. Mm -hmm. This person wasn't my person. Mm -hmm. And I had been given moment after moment of a deep knowing that it was time to walk away. Mm -hmm. And then for whatever reason, my own trauma responses that I had not yet dealt with, which is the beautiful thing about relationships because they can mirror things back to you. Mm -hmm. There are these trauma responses that I had not yet dealt with, old attachment wounds that I had not yet dealt with in the context of relationships. And I held on when I should have let go. Mm-hmm. And so I was living this emotionally dishonest life, which then turned into a life of self-betrayal because I wasn't trusting what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And as a result, my body like tangibly mm-hmm. revolted against me. I broke out in hives. Yeah. I had a first panic attack then that I since having almost for a decade ago. Mm-hmm. So I had my first panic attack for over a decade. My body broke out in hives and... I was at an all-time stress level. Yeah, yeah. And that is no life to live. Yeah, absolutely. And and that just points to how, how much the body communicates when we're out of alignment. Mm-hmm. Like the physical symptoms, the physical, uh, yeah, manifestations of living out of alignment happen to so many of us. And you said this, but anxiety is a great one. That's a great way to notice when I'm out of self-trust because anxiety is always forecasting the negative things that can happen. Can we actually break that down? Mm-hmm. Because I don't I don't want you to jump from like, I'm having anxiety. I'm not trusting myself. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, I think it's more that when we live in chronic anxiety, we yeah. all experience anxiety. We just went through a year where anxiety almost fell on us like rain, right? Like it just, <laughs> it, it really, 2020 did that to us in so many ways. And so it's not that, having anxiety equals not having self-trust. But it means that when we live in chronic anxiety, when we're constantly forecasting, um, forecasting the negative, we are, we are not in the present. We're not actually embodied living in the moment, trusting that every moment matters and leads to the next moment. We're, we're forecasting in fear, right? So it's, it's taking us outside of, as opposed to being inside of the body. Yeah, that's good. And I think, I mean, I'm just like reverse engineering it in my head, Mm -hmm. like chronic anxiety, honor your emotions, observe your life, Mm -hmm. learn how to observe your thought processes. And I think, yeah, I'm just saying like you can start reverse engineering Mm -hmm. this and you can Mm -hmm. realize like, oh, wait a minute. All of this is because of this. Mm -hmm. And that is probably going to be something that is a blatant mirror for you to see that oh you're betraying yourself or you're not trusting yourself or you're lying to yourself or you're not being honest with yourself and that's that's the that's the answer yeah and we haven't really touched on this but it is really important to note that um this is this is part of why healing trauma is so crucial because trauma teaches us that we can't trust ourselves yes trauma um it store it stores in the body right and so the body is going to react to small experiences that bring up old old traumatic experiences and so this is why trauma healing is so important on the journey of self-trust because then we can start to distinguish what is my trauma and, and what is my actual body speaking to me. Um, and then one other thing, really good. yeah. And one other thing I want to note on is that, you know, working with women all the time, especially around body, um, we've been taught from day one to not trust ourselves men too, but I'm speaking as a woman to women. We have been taught to, uh, constantly view our bodies as something to change uh, manipulate or control. And so in that, you've also been taught that your voice doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You've also been taught to play safe. Patriarchy. You've also been taught that, you know what, these are the roles for you and you better stick to it. Yeah. Everything has been stacked up against you yeah. as women yeah. to play small and to not trust yourself. Yeah. I was talking to a girlfriend and she was, can I like, honestly just say like, I'm for all the women out there that are on your journey of learning how to reclaim your life through radical self-trust. Like we have a hard it's, to go. Yeah. Like y'all have been, the, uh, the, the odds have been stocked, stacked against you. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to public, I honor you. And from like, Thanks, as lady. a man, like, fuck. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> I was talking to Chrissy last week and she was like, I always walk into a room and I just think, am I too much? And I was like, 
was like, you are never too much. And she was like, do you think any damn man has ever asked the question, am I too much? And I was like, mm. probably not. I mean, maybe a few of them, but I don't think it's the common. I think we're like, on the other way on the other where it's like, it's I not enough. enough. Yeah. I'm not enough. Yeah. Because we've been have, we have also been emasculated mm -hmm. really quickly to bring this back to women Sorry. And, and, and just the relationship with the body. I think, um, what, we've been taught from day one not to trust ourselves. And, and we see this exemplified, and this is for men too, but we see this exemplified in the, the diet culture, right? Like our diet industry is a $95 billion industry. And there's a reason because they capitalize on the idea that you can't trust yourself. You, Caleb, don't know what's best for you to eat. Actually, somebody else knows what's best for you to eat, to manipulate your body, so to good. get it to a certain size. So with women, it's so culturally ingrained. Don't trust yourself, whether it's explicit or not. It's so culturally ingrained that follow this diet because you don't, you don't actually know how your body needs to be nourished. And so you should follow this diet. And then if you do, you can manipulate your body to be a certain size, to be ap appealing to other people. So it's this really messy <laughs> loop so of, true. of, uh, messaging to not trust yourself. Right. It's, it's a, it's just ingrained in the fabric of, of our culture to, to everyone, but really to women to not trust themselves. So one way that I, love to empower people to start trusting themselves is to begin to practice in small ways, trusting your body with food, right? Uh. What does it look like to trust my body today? Body, how do I need to be nourished? And really leaning into what it means to listen to the body. Because when you start to trust yourself in the little things, and this is true in all little things, but when I start to, what did you say earlier? Build a case mm -hmm. towards myself. Like I start to see, oh, actually I can trust myself in that. Actually, I totally can. And when I do, I feel empowered. When I do, I I can lean into more self-trust. So there's little ways you can start practicing practicing self-trust because I think, it, again, we said this from the very beginning, but it is this journey. It's a total journey and practice yeah. that, that isn't never has an arrival point. It's really just a, a constant strengthening of the muscle. It's really good. This honestly probably is one of my favorite conversations I've had in a long time. Yeah, I like talking to you. Yeah, it's just a good a good topic. Um, and lastly, I just want to say for everyone out there on a self-trust journey. Yes. Um, if you have turned around, mm. right, and you are now walking towards yourself. Yeah. And you are learning how to trust yourself. And you are learning how to be compassionate towards yourself and learning how to radically accept all of you end your life um you're doing a good job you're doing a great job like it takes so much courage to even yeah. go on this journey it takes so much strength to even go on this journey and i think when we think of god like alpha and omega beginning and end and everything in between i'm always kind of i don't know i i'm I'm soothed by the idea of like the fact that you started this journey mm. tells me that you're going to, you're going to go the distance mm -hmm. because God sees things through, mm -hmm. right? Like you're going to see things through. And the journey for us is just to learn how to keep an open heart yeah, on the journey home to ourselves. And that doesn't mean you or like I'm not I'm not peddling, you know, toxic positivity here. No. Keep an open heart means that I'm willing to hold pain consciously mm -hmm. and see things through. But the last thing I was saying I'll let you speak is just take an account of your life right now. What are the things you know you need to be doing that you're not? Like, do you know you should be more kind to yourself? Do you know you need to have a hard conversation with your mom, your sibling? your coworker? Do you know you need to set boundaries? Like what are some of the things that you can do to honor your truth today? Mm -hmm. Start there and do it. Yeah. You got anything? Yeah. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Just sitting in that and letting that land. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that if you want to turn back towards yourself, it just starts with, I'm going to practice being kind. Yeah. I'm going to practice massive. being really kind to myself. And I read this beautiful quote today and I kind of want to end with it, but it said, um, I'm going to, I'm going to forget who it's from, but it said, if you set people in motion, they will heal themselves. And sometimes we just need, we just need this little yeah. nudge to come back home to ourselves. We just need this. We need somebody to say like, turn around, turn around and come home. It's really good. Mm -hmm. Well, That's there you have it. You're listening to 
to this on the podcast. Actually, we're doing something new. Um, it is not as aesthetically as pleasing as we would like, but this also is Figure on YouTube. Yeah. Um, this video is going to be on YouTube, uh, and it's a, a it's a clever name, y'all. It's a really clever name. It's Kara and Caleb on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> super, um, we're kind of doing clever. a whole uh, deep dive right now into uh, really just kind of like creating a brand around the work that we want to do, which I think we just summed it up in this podcast. Yeah, I'm inviting you to into a deeper um, romantic partnership with somebody and also a deeper self-love through radical self-trust, mm-hmm. acceptance, um, and uh, compassion. And so I think that's really kind of sums up the work that we long to do in this world, um, how we're going to brand it. We have no idea, but you're listening to us on this podcast. And if this is your first time here, thank you for following it completely through. Cause if you listen to this, you listen to a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, meaning this episode's over an hour long. But if you are new here, it would mean so, so much to Kara and I, if you took the time to just leave a review mm-hmm. that would mean so much to us as well as um, just maybe screenshotting it and sharing it with one friend or sending it to one friend who might be on a self-trust journey yeah. that would be so so helpful and we will be back again next week with uh more so thanks for tuning in we'll talk to you soon i've got the heart of a hero